Hello and welcome to Powers Court's Friday Fix, which is our reflections on a big issue of the week. I'm Mark Leftley, Head of Public Affairs at Powers Court. This week, nothing is bigger than Boris Johnson's resignation as Prime Minister. And I'm delighted to say I've got with me today Gina Miller, leader of the True and Fair Party, and the lady who successfully took the government to court so the Parliament could have a say on the Brexit deal. Gina, nice to see you today. Good to be here, Mark. Tell us about this week's events. What do you make of uh, how it all unfolded? I always knew it was going to come at some point. I just didn't know when, how or what was going to cause it. And I think it's quite extraordinary that it's actually somebody's desperately sexually depraved behaviour that has actually led to this. Alleged. Alleged. <laughs> alleged. But, you know, there are witnesses, um, <laughs> lots of them. But what is extraordinary is the goal of Boris to try to hang on when so many of his cabinet and his backbenchers wanted him to go. I mean, at some point, you would have thought he, he would have said, what I'll do for the honour of the party and for the reputation of the country is to go. Instead, he's clung on. And I'm still not absolutely certain he is going. I'm not sure what he... he there's something strange about the way he's behaving. I've never underestimated Boris. I always thought that he's got something up his sleeve. And I just wonder if there is something up his constitutional sleeve what well, somehow call an election while he's waiting for the uh, for the results of the 1922 committee while they set out the framework for the next leadership election yeah he's he's somebody who remember from age but is, is as a boy wanted to be world king and you know he's wanted his entire life to be prime minister and the other thing about him is he doesn't like to be a loser he doesn't like to go you know he doesn't want to be seen on the pages of history as somebody who lost so i think he still is going to try some trick and the problem with our constitution our unwritten constitution is that nobody has actually ever really tested it like boris uh you know he's an exemplar of all the things that's wrong with it and how little we actually know about the certainties that are in that constitution. So I wouldn't say for certain that he's definitely going and leaving the party or the country in a better shape because he's gone. Well, so a lot of Conservative MPs are already complaining about this deal that he's cut in order to stay on as Prime Minister until a replacement is found. They'd rather have an interim Prime Minister, maybe even a Dominic Raab, who's currently um, the deputy. And it says a lot, doesn't it, about them, that they know him so well now, and yet they've allowed him to be in power. You know, it shows the suspicion they have about him being a dishonourable, untrustworthy individual, that they want him gone now rather than wait till autumn. Because I agree with them. But why didn't they act before? I mean, that's for another conversation. You know, they've all enabled him to be there this long. But it just shows that they don't trust him. They don't trust him to actually just be a caretaker and not to be an interfering prime minister. It's interesting when you talk about him not wanting to be seen as a loser, always sort of carrying on fighting, a kind of Churchill instinct mm. that he sees himself. It's fascinating because, of course, if he can hang on, he edges Theresa May for length of time in office. <laughs> and I think she would find it delicious if she was somehow... Um, yes. Uh, ...did a longer stint, but I don't think it really matters. Given but isn't it interesting that there's someone in the party actually saying that she should be elected as the interim prime minister? I mean... What a turn up for the books if that were to happen. I mean, she would <laughs> definitely enjoy that, I think. She would it? love it. I mean, it's no Bullingdon nonsense when <laughs> Mrs May's around. <laughs> it's it's very fascinating turn of events. Who do you think are the likeliest candidates? We've already had Suella Braverman, the Attorney General, um, mm. announced that she wants to be uh, a candidate. Astonishingly, she didn't stand down as Attorney General <laughs> when she said that, which is a new spin on Cabinet Collective Responsibility. But yeah. who else do you, would you think is going to stand? 
I think there's so many people throwing their hats in the ring. It's quite extraordinary. And, and they don't seem to be have any sort of self-awareness. You know, it's uh, I think of the Peter Principle every time I hear another one announcing. I think the serious candidates will be Ben Wallace, Penny Mordant. Be very interesting. What if uh, I presume Sajid Javid is standing because of his speech in Parliament? Mm. Be interesting if Rishi stands. I think that's one we probably don't know yet um, because he has options more than anything um, compared to the others. Uh, and I don't think he'd go for it unless he knew he stood a good chance of, of winning. But you know, the Tory members are going to have, I think, quite a few people to choose from. But it depends who ends up in that last two. I, my money right now would be on on it being. Ben Wallace and Penny Mordant. It's interesting. Um, both very popular, of course, among army reservists, mm -hmm. of which there are so many among Conservative MPs. Tell us a little bit about the Trim Fair Party, which um, you now lead. So the everything we're seeing in the country at the moment is, in my view, is a result of the good chap theory of government that we've had for far too long. That there are no checks and balances. When people say and get angry, how could they get away with this? Well, they can because there's no redress. So my view is, and the, the party's view is, that we need to fix the machinery of government. Because when you do that, the trickle-down effect is that you create a different culture, different people are in politics, and the output in terms of policy making is so much better because you have attracted those different intellectual thinkers and competencies and diversity into the political arena and landscape. So, so much is broken. Where do you start? I think we start with you know, making sure that machinery of government is functioning properly, the checks and balances, the systemic failures are addressed, and also the fact that you have transparency and accountability. We have to have that. We have it in every other walk of life, but we don't in our politics. And you mentioned the unwritten constitution, which has never been tested, which is quite fascinating. Is that something you would seek to address? No, because uh, there are supporters of a written constitution. I think it's a really difficult thing to do because, you know, who writes it? What's in it? How do you test it? It would take decades. I think we're in so much trouble right now as a country. There's so much that's broken. There's a middle ground, which is what I'd see as an act of government, if you like, where you put in checks and balances. The ministerial code is put into law. The Nolan principles are put into law. The prerogative powers are put on a legislative uh, basis. MPs have to sign an oath of office that's like a code of contract. You know, we look at reforming the House of Lords. There's lots of things we could do to improve the status and the standing mm. of politics. And I think that, again, will build on the trust with the people because what we have now is trust at such a low level that people don't feel that politics appeals to them or actually represents them and that our democracy is not working. So why bother? You know, and, and that's not a functioning democracy if people don't trust the system we have. Gina, it's been great to, to see you today and thank you for joining us. And to our listeners, we look forward to the next edition next week.